Hello, welcome into the Daily Blues Podcast on 101ESPN.com. Dan Betlock with you on this Thursday, December 19th of 2019. Blues coming off a nice victory last night over the Edmonton Oilers, wrapping up a four-game homestand in which they won all four games. A very impressive run of games at 14th and Clark for the St. Louis Blues, going through the Vegas Golden Knights, the Colorado Avalanche, the Chicago Blackhawks, and last night the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, in no particular order there, just listing off the teams that they, they won against. So they hit the road, they head to San Jose on Saturday, but let's hear how it happened last night in the impressive 2-1 victory over the Oilers. The puck kept in by Petrangelo over to Perron. Back to Petrangelo to Shen. One-timer and a glove save. Koskinen. And it came out firing on this power play. They play it to Dunn. Changes an angle. Shoots towards the goal. It's just wide. Pumped right on and a save made. Brower another shot. And that one knocked away by Koskinen. D to D and out to the neutral zone at the red line. Larson's going to dump it down into the blue zone. And they'll get it right back in the middle. Jake Allen with a big save. He denied Kara. And the puck driving towards the goal from the point. Kleppbaum is there. Best chance of the game for the Edmonton Oilers. Just came off the stick of Jujar Kara. And now Sanford chops at it along the wing, but turned it over trying to clear. Gagne gets it back. Centers Dreisaitl shooting and a blocker save made by Allen. Puck into the corner. Falk digs for it. Pareko goes to the far side. Now Cairo with a head of steam. Corson Larson to defend. Drops it off. Schwartz puts it on. And a rebound shoveled back into the pads of the goaltender by Nygaard. As they didn't allow a shot on goal. Here's Gagne now to Neal. Neal into the corner. Walks it in front. Trying to get it to Bear. Couldn't. Another pass down low. Neal off of Allen. Rebound comes back into the pads of Jake. He'll cover it up. The Blues start a little pushing and shoving. Oilers enter the St. Louis zone. Pass to Dreisaitl. Tried to find McDavid down low. Missed him. As it's centered to Dreisaitl, he backhands it on, and that's a terrific save off the left pad of Allen. Here's O'Reilly. Now to Perron. Back to O'Reilly. Perron in behind the net to Shen. That's knocked away. Look out. Dreisaitl with Petrangelo trying to get back. They've got a two-on-one. He shoveled it on goal, and Allen will make the save. James Neal will clear to center. Get the red line. Skated over the blue line. Hounding after it is Schwartz. And it makes a nice play to Dunn. Sends it ahead to Shen. Breakaway shoots. He scores! Braden Shen. A breakaway goal. And the Blues get the lead. 1-0. 11.56 to go. Period. Number two. Well, the track back started this whole play and it's James Schwartz hard on the back check moving his feet turnover for James Neal just inside the offensive blue line Schwartz is going to poke it free it's going to end up on the stick of Vince Dunn Vince Dunn a great play he's got his head up he's looking up the ice Brayton Shen he gets caught behind the defenseman a great pass on the backhand he takes it this line is gassed he's got just enough in the tank to come in one-on-one on Koskin a terrific shot elite Hits the corner right over the glove. Vince Dunn holds the puck in. Skates the blue line to Falk. He rips it on. And that one bounces off of Koskinen. Kyra recovers for the Blues. To the near point for Falk. Over to the far circle. Thomas straight away to Dunn. Dunn to Thomas. Down the wing. Shoots post. Rebound. And the Blues can't get it in. Here's Dunn back to Thomas. To Falk. He's got to shoot it on again. That hits the mask of the goaltender. And... 
Koskinen and the mask come off as the power play comes to a close. Hit off a of Shen out high, maybe Jones. And it deflects to the Oilers. They come into the blue zone. Nugent Hopkins fired it on and right into the blue note. On the chest of Allen, he'll hold on. 14.50 to go, third period. Zone right there, getting it done for O'Reilly centers, they score! Ryan O'Reilly found McEachern coming down the middle of the ice. And Mackenzie McEachern has given the St. Louis Blues a 2-0 lead. 13.37 to go, third period. Well, it's going to be Mackenzie McEachern who is... Extremely fresh because he just hops on the ice. As we were talking about Oscar Sundquist, he makes a smart change at the end of it all. And you're just going to see Mackenzie McEachern come flying down. This is why he wasn't accounted for because of the line change. And 28 comes barreling down. And with a pass like that from Ryan O'Reilly from behind the net, saucer pass backhand through three bodies. That's about as easy as it gets. And for Mackenzie McEachern, take advantage of playing with number 90, and he does just that. Hands over the line on the far wing. A shot fired on. Rebound saved by Allen. And a puck clear to the far side and out of the zone. Allen with a great save off that right ankle. Pass intercepted by De La Rosa. And a blue sent three over the line. Brower on his backhand. And a save again by Koskinen. The puck deflects out of play. 40 shots on goal in the game. There's nine and a half to go in the third. Trying to keep that one away from McDavid and Canton. McDavid pulls it out, and here he goes, and he can fly. He's got the line with Der Nurse. Nurse goes over the line, taken to the wall by Bo Meester, who then wins the puck, and it's deflected into the middle. Bear pumps it to the goal, sliding over to make the save on Nurse's Allen. Cassian puts it to the goal. Underneath Allen it goes, and then Cassian's going to jam at it with Allen having already covered it up. In behind the Blues net, lose it. Falk couldn't clear it. Kept in at the point by Jones. Back to Jones from McDavid. He shoots it on, and the rebound goes out of the reach of Gagne. Falk will battle in the corner from McDavid. It comes back to Neal. Second home start. Oilers get it in front. They center. Allen reaches back and makes the save. And the Oilers deflect it in to get the goal. Zalin had come out of the blue crease. And it's a 2-1 game with 1.50 to go in the third period of play. They may challenge this, Curbs. Well, here's the hard part. If you challenge this and don't get it, you've put the Oilers on a power play. That's true. Good point. And this is why you got to be very cautious. Zach Cassian, he got the initial tip, knocks over Jake Allen. Jake Allen immediately threw his hands up as in what was up with that. Man, I don't know. This is a tough call here, Curbs, for that reason. I do think it's goaltender interference. I but think it's inside risky. the final two minutes, this has got to be challenged by the. I think this has got to be uh, checked on by the by the league. Yeah, 150 to go. You're right. I think. And I think they're going to go ahead and. No, they're going to they're going to call it a goal. Allen had come out to make the save, and he was out of the... challenging the play for goaltender interference. Whoa. So Allen reaches back to try and get the puck, and then Cassian checks into him, but they're way outside the paint. Boy, I actually, I don't think this is going to be overturned now if I see the replay curbs, because you're right, because Jake's beyond the crease. He's about a foot outside, and that's why he gets tied up with Cassian. And not that that necessarily matters, but... 
Zach Cassian looked like he did everything he in his power to prevent the collision. And with Jake being two, three feet outside that blue crease, you almost wonder if this will not be overturned. And if it isn't, as you were saying, it'll be a two-to-one game. And with a minute 50 to go, you're going to see the Edmonton Oilers on a power play. They're, they're reaching for the headsets. That's an awfully quick call. After coaches' challenges determined there was not goaltender interference, Paul the ice stands full. I tell you what, I, I don't know about that. Eight seconds to go. Far wing, pass down low, fanned on. Back to three seconds. They shoot. Allen the save. Bring out the Zamboni. What a finish tonight by the St. Louis Blues. They beat the Edmonton Oilers by a score of two to one. Cassian will try to rough it up with Petrangelo. A lot of victory. What a homestand, and what a four-game win streak put together by the St. Louis Blues. Well, last night, the St. Louis Blues completed a four-game sweep of the homestand. They went 4-0 after sealing a 2-1 victory for the over the Edmonton Oilers. And Joe Vitale, they met some stiff competition on this homestand, but they've proven why they are the Stanley Cup champions now, still with a top record in the Central, top record in the Western Conference. Shannon McEachern getting the goals for the Blues, Neil the goal for the Oilers, and Jake Allen once again, Solid. Well, the St. Louis Blues in this homestand, they just continue to find ways uh, to win. And you have players different stepping up. And when you're getting good goaltending like the St. Louis Blues have been with Jordan Binton and Jake Allen, that's the start. But I think it's just been a four-line performance. You have three pairs on the back end that have shut down uh, the Connor McDavid's of the world, the Nathan McKinnon's of the world, the Patrick Kane's of the world throughout this homestand. Some four really great teams, and the Blues, to escape it 4-0, have created such a great first half. Now they got a couple more left. They're going to San Jose and L.A., but what a first half of the season it's been for these St. Louis Blues. Blues over the Edmonton Oilers last night, 2-1, and they head off to San Jose, take on the Sharks on Saturday night from the Shark Tank in San Jose. For Joe Vitale, I'm Chris Kerber on the St. Louis Blues Radio Network. Yeah, Jake Allen was absolutely fantastic last night. A shame that he couldn't get the shutout, but uh, very nice to see Jake Allen get a win at home. And also very nice to see the team play very, that good in front of him because uh, obviously that was, uh, wasn't was the case last at times last season uh, early on, that's for sure. But what an impressive homestand for the St. Louis Blues, getting back to kind of their roots, the four-checking heavier style of hockey. So it was good to see um them get back in the win column and win four straight. Jeremy Rutherford was on with Alex Ferrario this morning on the Bernie Show. They recapped last night's game and talked a little bit about Alex Petrangelo and other topics around the St. Louis Blues. So here's Alex with Jeremy from this morning. But let's start with the game last night because a awesome effort from this team to not only take down the Edmonton Oilers but to sweep that homestand and really make a statement that regardless of the injuries, this team's here to stay. Yeah, let's not forget uh, prior to this homestand, the Blues had lost uh, three in a row. And I wouldn't say there was a panic, but people were wondering what was going on with this team. Uh, you know, were the injuries catching up to the St. Louis Blues? And then all they do is rattle off four straight wins at home. And oh, by the way, three of them are against uh, teams two, four, and seven in the Western Conference. And oh, by the way, three of the top scorers in the National Hockey League two of the fastest guys in the National Hockey League, and the Blues just played an unbelievable team game on this homestand. Uh, guys were in and out of the lineup. You had an illness last night with uh, Bozak. Yeah. Brower didn't think he was going to play. He steps in and plays. So I just think that what this team did on this homestand, 
tells you a lot about who they are. Yeah, it really does. And look, if you got text messages or questions for JR and myself, Blues questions, you can send them over to us at the Hot Chats text line at 65780. You can also send us mic drops for JR and myself on the 101 ESPN app. What really stuck out to me, JR, and I talked about this last night on the post game show, was the ability to eliminate these top scores. And I know you put the tweet out there. You found a way to hold McKinnon. McDavid and Dreisaitl, who have a combined 169 points to a total of two assists. Yeah, the McKinnon line against uh, Bomeister and Preco, I looked up, they did have, uh, I think it was seven scoring chances, so they had their chances the Colorado game. Uh, last night, uh, they had uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl split up the McDavid line against Bomeister and Preco. Uh, no scoring chances. I wow. mean, that, that's just uh, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And only two scoring chances for the Dreisaitl line. Uh, I believe McDavid finished with three shots, uh, Dreisaitl quite a few more. But the the number that matters is did they get on the scoreboard. Right. And as you mentioned, uh, just two assists when you talk about that Colorado game and the Edmonton game. Look, I don't think that Bolmeister and Preco get enough credit, even though we do talk about it semi-regularly. Uh, but it's not just them. It, it's this team effort. We talked to a number of players last night in the locker room. The, the forwards are getting back and tracking. They all realize the importance of what it means to uh, to stop those guys, and, and they got the job done. And it wasn't just on this homestand. Like, we have seen that team game halt those guys and their offense uh, time and time again. They, they continue to get it done. And the back checking, too. Like, the, the ability for these forwards to play defense, which is better than their offense, and Jim Matheson, who covers the Oilers, was talking to you yesterday or two days ago after practice, JR, and I overheard him tell you that the Edmonton Oilers are the best power play unit in the National Hockey League, but they're god-awful five-on-five. They can't defend. They don't back check. They're, for, they're focused more on offense than they are defense, and I think that's the their the respect should come in for St. Louis because of their ability to have a very dominant and forceful offense, but the ability to back check as well and play really strong defensive hockey. Yeah, we're critical of this Blues team because they don't score enough. You know, sometimes you look at them uh, two goals a game. A lot of guys go in a drought six, seven, eight games uh, without a goal. Uh, again, we were saying injuries catch up to them. Are they going to trade for a goal scorer while Tarasenko is out? But part of the reason is because they're playing so responsible uh, defensively. You know, it doesn't allow them to get up ice like they like they normally would. But look at last night. You know, you're talking about the best player in the game, Connor McDavid, and who beats him to the net on the Ryan O'Reilly pass? McKenzie McKen- McKechnie. Yep. And he scores the goal. Who has six goals on the season, by the way, playing what, an average of nine minutes a night? Yeah, uh, Tom Timmerman pointed that out last night. We should look up his uh, like points per minute. Uh, <laughs> Probably should. That, though, tells the story, doesn't it, JR? Like, your fourth line, Jacob De La Rose, who I believe has one goal with the Blues since he's been here, but he's got about four or five assists since he's been on this team. Mackenzie McEachern, who I just mentioned, had six goals. And an Oscar Sundquist started on the fourth line for you last night, or was supposed to before the Bozak late scratch. And he's pushing 15 goals already in the early portion of the season. So you have three guys who normally play on the fourth line for you that are going out there and scoring possibly 10, 15 goals a game. And not only play on the fourth line, but look at the role that these guys play. When you talk about a Jacob De La Rose, and and people were down on him the first couple weeks, Army lost this trade, look at Fabry, he's putting up the points. Well, first of all, De La Rose is playing on the wing. He's more comfortable at center. Uh, but now he's in a groove. 
Last night, he played, what, 330 on the penalty yeah. kill. They hold the Edmonton power play number one in the league, 31.4%. Hold him 0 for 5 on eight shots. And, and you can rattle off all the numbers you want. When you watch the game last night, De La Rose is getting his stick in on those uh, power plays and breaking plays up. Uh, he was phenomenal last night. I think he's settling into his own. And Oscar Sundquist, you can play him wherever you want. We can talk about him being on the fourth line. Last night he's up with O'Reilly and Perron, and he doesn't look out of place. I just think that whoever they bring in here adapts to this team and what they need and plays their role. I got a tweet from a, a friend, a colleague uh, in the business the other day, after I said that uh, De La Rose is going to be a contributor to this team, and uh, the response was, wait five games, you won't be saying that. That's what right. somebody said to me, and I said, you know what, It's I get what you're saying, but with a Craig Berube team, it's different because he, he shows and tells them what he needs from them, and typically they deliver. Well, we saw that athletic article from the Detroit Red Wings, or was it a national writer for basically writing that Jacob De La Rose's production, if you look at it, is not going to be successful with St. Louis? Yeah, I think when you look at it, in terms of the player that he is and, you know, how is he going to contribute to this team? You know, the point production, probably not going to be there. Right. A huge goal against Chicago the other night. Uh, but I think in terms of just playing his small percentage mm-hmm. of what they need him to do, that's the thing. Well, and he matched up against Connor McDavid on the penalty kill in that in the final moments of the third period where it was six on four, basically, because of the penalty and the empty net. And De La Rose was out there on that first unit with I believe it was Alexander Steen or it was Ryan O'Reilly, one of the two. But that just goes to show you the confidence that Craig Berube already has for this guy, and he's only been with the team for less than a month, as he's going out there on a penalty kill, the final moments of a hockey game, facing off against the best player in the National Hockey yeah, League. Yeah, no, he's he's settling in. I think uh, Justin Falk, I heard you talking about him yeah, uh, we'll earlier get him in the show. He, he's really settling in. That's what I think. If you're a Blues fan, you're looking for some positives here, uh, and there are a lot of them. But the fact that it's December and some of these players that they just brought into the fold are starting, you're starting to notice them, yeah, I think that's a big key heading. Power play, JR. Struggled again last night, 0 for 5, although you did have a lot of shots on goal with your uh, five power play opportunities. You scored the prior night against Colorado on the four minute power play. We're seeing the roller coaster that we're used to when it comes to the power play that led this team to the first chunk of the season. But in your eyes, and from what we're hearing in the locker room, power play-wise, what's not working? Well, I'm just not that worried about it. I'm not because uh, you just see a ton of pressure, and, and you see shots ringing off the post. Even in uh, Buffalo, I think prior to Buffalo, uh, we were talking about the power play. Yeah, you're going to go through stretches. You're 0 for 10, 0 for 12, 0 for 15. But uh, I felt like uh, we saw them be aggressive. And last night they could have had a couple power yeah. play goals. A ton. Koskinen of, was incredible last he night. He was incredible, and, and a ton of shots. But I'll tell you what's key. Here's you know it's December. We have to look at the big picture, not the fact that they go through these little uh, ruts. What Craig Bruby said last night uh, really stuck to me. He said that uh, when they didn't score on the five on three, and are they ever going to score on a five on three? It's been three years. It's now. It's been three years. <laughs> well, and they did in the in the playoffs against San Jose, but we're talking regular regular season. season. So last night they have a five on three for a minute thirty. It doesn't look good. They don't score. Uh, but Craig Bruby said after the game, he said, "Did you see him? They didn't get discouraged. And after that, even though they didn't score, they still came to play shift after shift after that." And that's why this team is so mentally strong. That's why this team is in a group of four or five teams in the league that have a a really realistic chance at winning the Stanley Cup because they don't let things like that uh, get to them. So we can criticize the power play. It does need to be better. Uh, But when you see them ringing them off the post and putting up the quantity of shots that they did last night, it's going to come. The more important factor is you don't see them get discouraged when they don't score. 
Jeremy Rutherford joining Alex Ferrario on the Bernie Show earlier this morning on 101 ESPN. Alex also had a very interesting conversation with Ken Holland. He's the GM of the Edmonton Oilers. This aired in our pregame show last night. I want to play it for you now because there's a lot of good hockey talk in there. And uh, this podcast is for the diehard hockey people. So here's Ken Holland with Alex last night. Good. Nice to be here. Well, and I uh, I know you and Doug Armstrong, not only good buddies in hockey season, but in the off season as well. Am I right? Yeah, Doug and I go way back. Uh, obviously, we've both been general managers for a long, long time, and uh, you know, we both like golf. Uh, I put together some golf trips in the off season, uh, going to Europe, uh, um, and, and Band and Dunes, a few places. And Doug has uh, has gone on a few of those trips. So we've got a uh, you know, obviously, a bond through hockey and uh, and a bond through uh, our passion of golf. Well, those relationships in hockey are very crucial, aren't they, Ken? As a general manager and president of hockey operations, well, very, very important. You know, obviously, you're trying to. Uh, uh, um, when you're trying to do deals, you know, you know when you're in the business, the, the more relations you can have the, and the better relationships, I think it, the easier it is to, to get a deal done. You're trying to find, anytime you're doing a deal, you're trying to find a solution that works for both sides. I, I don't think, you, you know, maybe when the deal's done, you look down the road, one side won and one didn't, but that's certainly not the object, I think, when you're doing a deal. You're trying to find a solution for, for both sides. So relationships are, 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 are really important. Now, there's more more younger people. I'm getting old. Probably Army and I are both getting a little older. I'm in my early 60s. You know, there's a lot of general managers now that are uh, that are coming in there around 30, you know, 30 years of age. So uh, certainly it's a different time, but... Uh, um, relationships are still important. A bit of a change for you, Ken. You spent your entire career with the Detroit Red Wings in the front office. What was this transition like for you in the offseason coming to Edmonton? Well, it's, uh, I'm excited about the opportunity. You know, I, I've been in Detroit for 22 years and <clears throat> just felt that, uh, you know, we had, the Red Wings had a lot of success and, and, and they're now in rebuild mode. And when Steve Eiserman stepped down in Tampa Bay, um, I, you know, I've, I've got a relationship with Steve going back to 1983. I was a minor league goaltender, and in Steve's first year as a player, wow. uh, I was in training camp with the Red Wings and, and played in the the Adirondack Red Wings. And so, so Steve and I go back to 1983, and then uh, I, I respect the you know obviously as a player, and then the job he's done in Tampa Bay as a general manager, and, and what he's meant to the city of Detroit and to the franchise. You know, he when you think about the greatest players in Red Wing history, he's certainly one of them. You know, Gordy Howe and there's probably Nick Lidstrom and three or four or five others. And uh, but he's one of the greatest players in Red Wing history and a great manager. So the time was right for change in Detroit. Um, and you know, I was wasn't sure where I was going to go. And uh, you know, the phone rang. Bob Nicholson, uh, president of, of the Oilers, uh, had some number of conversations, and I felt that I had a lot, still had a lot of a lot of energy, uh, a lot to give. And uh, wanted to accomplish some more things in this game, and and to come to Edmonton, which is a hockey, you know, it's a hockey crazy, uh, you know, Canada. They love their sport, and I, I lived in Medicine Hat for a number of years, and so so knew that uh, the passion of the Oiler fans, and obviously the opportunity to work with Connor McDavid, um, Leon Dreisaitl, some really talented talented young people. Um, I thought it was uh, an incredible opportunity for me, so I'm excited to be in Edmonton and and. Uh, um, you know, try to hopefully, uh, you know, it's been a tough go there um, in terms of making the playoffs. And, you know, they, I think they made the playoffs once in 13 years. So 
Peter Shirelli, the, the previous manager, left some really good pieces and good young players on the team. But also there's some really good young defensemen and some forwards coming through the system. So there's lots to work with, and i got to try to um, work with Dave Tippett. I just, you know, decided to hire Dave as, a, uh, as our head coach, and we got to work together and see if we can build, up, uh, build the program up. Knowing the history of success in Edmonton and then the history of success that you've had with Detroit, Ken, do you look at that as a challenge as a general manager to, to find a way to, to, to alter the last few seasons in Edmonton? Yeah, you know, I mean, I look at the St. Louis Blues. You, you know, the, the, I'll, you need you need players, but you also need a culture mm-hmm. and you need a mindset and 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 everybody, you know. And, and I think that's what uh, Doug Armstrong and his people have done here in St. Louis, and obviously it uh, all culminated in uh, in, the, in the Stanley Cup championship last year. So, you know, the goal is to build an organization. That year after year, you think uh, when the year starts, we can make the playoffs, and then and then you stick with it. And that's what we did in Detroit. You know, we we had mis- major disappointments in '93, '94, '95, '96, and finally f- won the cup in '97, and and uh, you know we won it won it again in '98. So you got to stick with it. You got to stick with it. So I think that my experiences in Detroit, um, in, in 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 the building. Um, you know, I started in 1985 with the Red Wings. We had uh, 40 points. We had the first overall pick. We took Joe Murphy. Uh, took took you know, we won the cup in in 97. So it was 12 years. It took a lot. But I, but probably by 93, 94, we were somewhat of a cup contender. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that uh, you know my experiences in Detroit um, are going to help me here. And I also and I'm big on culture. You know, culture is people. Culture is people. And and uh, coming to the rink every day and uh, believing that what you're doing is right and it's gonna, we're going to end up winning more often than, uh, than we're not. And certainly we're trying to uh, develop that culture, build that culture. Um, uh, you know, I think that, again, it's been a... It's been. A, I, I haven't. You know. I, I. I. was in Detroit, so I haven't lived. I haven't lived with the people right. in, in Edmonton. Have lived the last number of years. The fan base and the, and everybody that's involved in the team. But uh, um, looking f- again. Looking forward. You know. We're we're thirty five games in. Um, we're in. We're in the game. We're mm-hmm. we're. You know. If you look at the standings, we're we've we, we got off to a great start. The first ten games. We were seven two and one. We've played about five hundred since then. Um, you know, but we've sort of hung in. We've we've hung in the race, and I think it's it's. You know, I look at the St. Louis Blues again last year, where they were on I think the first of January, and and where they were at right. the end of June. So you just got to hang in the race. You got to stay stay in touch with a playoff spot, and if you can get in, um, anything can happen. So certainly, uh, thirty five games, and we're happy where we are in the standings. Um, we've been we've been. Uh, you know, up and down a little bit late, lately, but we're, we're 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 in the game, which I think is important. Final one for you, Ken. Uh, you've seen the success that the Detroit Red Wings and you were a part of, but you mentioned the back-to-back cups and the in the short window. What's the difficulty as a general manager to be able to do that on a consistent basis? Well, I think you know, as I look back, um, you know, when we won, sometimes you don't win the. You, you, sometimes you don't win the game as much as you don't lose the game. Right. And I think I think when you before you've done it, you know you you feel that you've got to win. You got to win. You got to win the game. You got to win the cup. You got you got to. And sometimes it's that it's just that you've been there before, and it's don't make the big mistake. And it's it's patience. And it's just it's 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 doing the right things over and over and over again. And you know you're, you 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 find ways to, to to win. So I think the you know I, I look at the St. Louis Blues winning the Stanley Cup. You know you you look at Washington a couple of years winning the Stanley Cup and now St. Louis Blues and what it does for all the players in the franchise they just they, they they've won they 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 know they've won 
um, and it's a good feeling going to the rink every day. We've done it before, and we know if we uh, take care of business on an everyday basis and every game basis and every shift basis that uh, we can be uh, the team that uh, wins the game and wins the playoff series and wins four playoff series. So uh, I think any time – I think that's the importance – of, 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 you know, you always talk when I was in Detroit, adding some people that have won, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've won and, 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 and they've lived it and uh, they know what it, they know what it takes. And again, sometimes you don't have to just don't make the big mistake. Just be patient and, and play your game and uh, you can be the last team standing. Well, Ken Holland, it's great catching up with you. Thank you so much for taking some time out and uh, it's going to be an exciting one tonight. Yeah, thank you. Excellent. Ken, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it. Very cool of Ken Holland to sit down and talk all things uh, hockey with Alex Ferrario last night, kind of building a team and trying to sustain a, co- a culture of success. So kudos to Alex in that interview there last night. All right, another element of our broadcast that we do and we play here often on the Daily Blues podcast is the Rampage Report. We like to keep you updated on everything uh, going on for the San Antonio Rampage. Here's Brian McCormick with the latest Rampage Report. The San Antonio Rampage continue their road trip on Wednesday night at Panther Arena against the Western Conference leading Milwaukee Admirals. The Rampage dropped the opener of their four-game road swing on Tuesday, a 4-1 loss to the Chicago Wolves. The Rampage looked to shake a five-game slide against an Admirals team that they are 0-1-2 against this season. Mitch Ranke scored the lone goal for San Antonio against the Wolves, a power play goal to open the scoring. Olsen and Duke on the draw, Rampage win at center point. Ranke, wrist shot, scores! Mitch Ranke from the blue line, a wrist shot through traffic, finds a hole and makes its way past Oscar Dance, gets a power play goal, and the Rampage have a 1-0 lead. That would be all the Rampage could muster against goaltender Oscar Dansk. Wolves forward Nicholas Waugh would lead the Wolves' attack with his first AHL hat-trick as part of a four-point day. The Rampage are 2-3-8 and eight this season in one-goal games. As the team looks for more scoring, forward Mike Vecchioni says that work in front of the net will be key. I think we just need to get the goalie's eyes better. Um, you know, we're getting all these shots and everything, but when we go back and look at film, we haven't really been taking the goalie's eyes, so he's been seeing a lot of those shots, so there's really no second-chance opportunities, never mind any third chances. So I think if we just try and you know, get more pucks to the net, obviously, get around the net, screen the goalie, We'll start you know, banging home some of those dirty area goals that we really need. The Admirals are 3-0-2 in their last five games, and they have won seven in a row at home. During their home winning streak, the Admirals have averaged 5.6 goals per game. 2019 AHL MVP Daniel Carr has rejoined the lineup after he was assigned by the Nashville Predators late last week. He has points in 11 straight AHL games. The Rampage sit in the fourth and final playoff spot in the Central Division, but they are tied with 28 points alongside the Manitoba Moose and the Chicago Wolves. From Milwaukee, I'm Brian McCormick with the Rampage Report. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the Daily Blues podcast today. Appreciate Brian McCormick's uh, Rampage report there. We get that uh, every game broadcast as well. This Week in Hockey is on 101 ESPN tonight at 6. Look for that podcast later tonight as well. And catch the Blues against the Sharks Saturday on 101 ESPN. We're back tomorrow for more Daily Blues podcasts. Go see a ball game often, folks. Follow your local teams. It really is fun for the entire family. Dan Vetlock signing off on 101ESPN.com.